we are constantly asking God to help us understand why we do what we do. And I think particularly in conventional religious circles, it's easy just to do what we do and not really understand why, but the basis of every sacrament, I mean, when I first was invited to be the pastor, um, I, you know, I just, I said, I want to question everything we do that we understand the purpose and the value and the depth. So obviously water baptism is more than a sweet little expression that you gave your life to Christ. It's a part of the progression and declaration that we're going to walk in a greater place of freedom. Water baptism is not a requirement for salvation, don't get me wrong. Uh, salvation comes through Christ. But making that decision to pass through those waters with an attitude of faith really can shake us free into greater places of advancement in the call of God in our lives. It's more than a ceremony. So I invite you uh, to be a part of that. We had more than 80 people baptized in water this last year. And listen, I want you to help me celebrate that as we declare our transformed lives as a declaration that God's kingdom has come to the earth. So come on, let's thank the Lord for great transformation taking place. Are you free? Isn't it great to be free? I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ, and uh, I just want to invite you in this journey that you would encourage others, and we would learn to really walk out even what um, Pastor Chris was saying. And, and I think it was uh, very fitting also, Erica Blanco, Blanco came up to me and said, she, this morning the Lord spoke to her, and I just, you know, how many of you know God wants to have a conversation with us today? We didn't show up to hear music and messages. We showed up to encounter God. The, the reason we come to church is not to hear music and messages. The reason we come to church is to encounter God. And the Lord uh, was stirring in her heart this morning that there are things getting stirred up to more clearly define what we love, who we love, how we love, and how many know God wants to attract our attention and gain our affection that we will be absolutely in love with Him in the midst of everything else. And I want to address a little bit of that today, but I just want to reiterate, God is speaking right now. God is always speaking. He's always trying to get our attention. I've personally come into a season just as a Christian where in the morning before my social media starts gripping my attention or phone ringing or, you know, email, I just try and stop and kind of give the first fruits of the morning to listening. What does God want to say? I mean, there are a lot of people screaming for our attention in the world that you and I live. And how many of you know if you allow them to have your attention, then they'll hold you hostage and the resource of your life will begin to be squandered. And we don't want to do that. And, and I want to kind of just take a moment today and pastor you. Um, before we get into message and all that, I want to just pastor you through the political climate of our nation right now. This is a really important time that we as Christians be Christian. And so I want, I'm going to point something out to you, but I want you to think about Paul who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. Here's a man who was wrongfully accused. He was arrested, beaten. Um, I mean, if, there was a, if there's ever been a person on the planet who had a right to be angry at governmental officials, it would be Paul. When they found out he was a Roman citizen after the way they treated him, they totally freaked out, backtracked, backpedaled, um, because it was a big deal that in his citizenship to Rome that he had been so abused. So he had been uh, in, in so many ways uh, treated horribly and falsely accused. Yet after all of that, this is near the end of all of that, Paul writes these words. Are you ready for this? Like somebody who has the right to be angry at government officials. I'm, I'm driving us to a point here. 
This is what Paul writes in, in the book of Titus. Remind the believers. Raise your hand if you're a believer. Can I just see? Remind these folks to submit to the government and to its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. How many of you have seen a lot of Facebook posts that do not align with this particular verse? Uh, can I just commission you guys? Listen, love is our source. And I, I believe that there are reasons to be angry. But let me just say to you, there's never a reason to be unkind. There's never a reason to be unloving. And so there are avenues, and we understand that, but don't get into the divisive climate that the enemy wants to feed us in the nation in which you and I live. So, um, Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be an expression of your life, of your love. We have been entrusted this governmental structure that invites our input as the final say, as the voice of the people. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand to, how to take that responsibility and, and use it correctly in a way that doesn't violate our conviction to love you and to let your love and express that love in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our focus this year, love is our source. 2017, we're bringing this attention. Love is our source. So other people will say things, do things in your life. How many of you know other people's opinions do not have to become your reality? Love is your source. God's opinion of you, God's opinion of your situation is more important than anything else. And so that's what we want to constantly come back to over and over as a family. And as we then devote ourselves in that regard, we find ourselves just out of a heart of love, uh, really serving, giving, making sacrifice on behalf of the other. How many of you heard Dr. King's I Have a Plan speech? Nobody, because this is why you've not heard Dr. King's I Have a Plan speech, because the plan and the details and the nuts and bolts and the rules and the regulations are not what motivate, but it's the I Have a Dream speech. There's something deeper than what technically needs to happen that drives us to stronger behavior. Jesus didn't come to, to reveal the plan. Didn't, Jesus didn't come to reveal the rules and the regulations. He didn't come to establish a bunch of religious re regulations for us to follow. Jesus came to establish and reveal the love of Christ, the love of God that would be awakened in our hearts, that would drive us to do things that are irrational. Listen, when you love, when, when you find yourself in love, you do crazy stuff. How many of you remember crazy days? Like you fell in love and you couldn't stop talking on the phone. You fell in love and you just ridiculous. I mean, love drives us to behaviors beyond our logic and understanding. Religion never takes us there. Religion always wants to deal with the framework of what to do, and it never really wants to go deeper to the motive and the heart and the drive, and God wants to reach deep within every one of our lives and awaken something of eternal value that would move us beyond the temporal purposes that we can understand and comprehend. And I want to challenge you in that regard. That that's why we do what we do. That's why I'm thankful for people greeting at the door. I'm thankful for people serving coffee, working in kids' ministry, for a tech crew, for worship team. I'm thankful for everybody doing what they're doing right here in-house. And, uh, and I want to just say we are making great progress. And I want to just give you a quick update on this 
uh, progress as we progressed along this year particularly. Upstairs is getting very close to being finished. Downstairs, kids' ministry. We are now almost finished with our first of four objectives, and the first one was the biggest one. We are, I, I can't remember the exact number now, but we're about $8,000 from that first objective. That means we're $125,000 accomplished. Can you help me celebrate God's provision in that? So thank God we are going to have our nursery and toddler area ministry over here. So thank you for your giving. You know, we don't do the bucket pass thing. We want you to understand your giving is about worship. And that's why giving stations are on the wall and you can give online however you'd like to. But let's keep moving forward in all that God's called us to. For God so loved, he gave. And that's where we want everything to be born from, our love for the Lord and our love for others. So today, we're progressing through these first 40 days of the year, looking at the five core values that we believe God's really stirred for us to camp around, coming back to them over and over. There's a statement. It's probably on your card there. If you'll say it with me, let's make this declaration. We are outrageously loving people. It's not on your card. It's going to be on the screen. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord as we uh, I'm sorry, with rationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires. That's where we're going to be today. Let's say that again. Consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So those five things we believe, if you spend much time with us while we're spending time with Jesus, you're going to become outrageously loving, irrash, or passionately pursuing, irrationally giving, consistently submitting, and effectively discipling. And next week, effectively discipling. I just want to, it ties in really well, but I want you to understand something. This is, this is a really important element of who we are. I never asked to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. I, I don't. I, I mean, I kind of struggle with the conventional pastoral framework, getting around to the pastors sometimes. I'm just like, I don't know that I really get it. You know, I, I tend to do better around people who don't even want to have anything to do with church in their framework of thinking sometimes. And, and I, I used to feel really bad about that. But the fact is, what I believe is God is raising up a generation of people who are willing to step into a place of influence in such a way that they can bring transformation to non-conventional thinkers in the world. How many of you know God wants to reach everybody that doesn't know Christ? And so with that in mind, just understand... You need to recognize you're in a place where we believe it is not the plan, and we are not devoted to trying to make you more church-like. We are devoted to trying to make you more Christ-like. People in the church, in the generation that you and I live in today, they don't need a lot of help trying to be more Christian. They need a lot of help trying to be more human. We, we try to be more Christian a lot. And we understand those concepts. But, I mean, I just, I'm just telling you, somewhere along the journey of knowing Christ, we've lost just how human God became to reach into the lives of people who couldn't understand God at all, but suddenly began to identify with something. Aren't you glad God reached into your life right where you were, and he didn't require you to become good enough so that you could identify with him? So if we're going to effective make, you know, really truly make disciples, because our goal is not to get people to attend a church service, our goal is to empower people to become disciples. And our gathering is with that in mind. We should gather together, but not with the ultimate goal or objective of church attendance. Jesus didn't die so we could merely go to church. 
So we're going to drive into that next week as we conclude on our 40-day emphasis, be in a group, be in one of our community groups, have some discussion. As you walk out the door and look to the left, you'll see the uh, welcome center, welcome center area there, and that's all of our community group leaders' pictures and brochures. You can get that information. And actually, Chris Goodson will be out there at the end, and uh, he'll be able to greet you. And Chris, you're single, so any of you girls that might want to It's just a joke. So, um, today, consistently submitting. Submission. It's an interesting word. Submission. Submission. What does that mean? If you've parented, if you've been parented, you know there is an ocean of a difference between the two words compliance and submission. How many of you have ever been required to do something and you gritted your teeth and you did it, but you didn't do it from the heart? That's compliance. But God actually calls us to submission. It's a very different word. It's the understanding, it's not about the plan, it's about the dream. There's something deeper that's driving our behavior. It's not just, listen, the kingdom of God is not about behavior modification. I I mean, I hope you didn't come here today so that I could give you the framework to holiness, and if you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you have to pray this way, and you do this, and you read this way, and you do that, that, that's not the way the kingdom of God works. God is more interested in owning your heart, and then one step at a time, he caters that just for you. Some of you, like your relationship with God looks very creative and artsy, and, and that's just kind of, you're going to pray in a way, you might put flowers in your hair, I don't know, but you know, you're going to pray in a way and seek God in a way, maybe worship music and incense going, and maybe that's you. Some, uh, some people in here, they're more framework, and they're going to do their devotion like this. And if you try and put this person in this realm, they're going to be frustrated, okay? And if you try and put this person in this realm, they're going to be frustrated. I want you to understand something. However you seek God, maybe you figured a lot out, out. you have not figured it all out, okay? Everybody needs to understand God like made each of us uniquely different. So the way we seek God, the way we know God, the way we express ourselves is unique in and of itself. And each one of us needs to be free to discover who God's called us to be. Be free to be who God's called you to be. But the crazy thing about this is this is never discovered alone, individually. Like, you should be uniquely you, but you sh- it is not good for man to be alone. I mean, it never has been, nor will it ever be good for you to be going at this thing by yourself. So understanding all of this is going to be vital to our recognizing, I believe, where God wants to drive us in deeper places of our faith. So submission is about this lifestyle before the Lord of humility, love, and service to others as your ministry to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that. This is about your love, your serve, your give as to other people as your ministry to the Lord. Like Jesus said, as you've done to the least of these, you've done this for me. So what we have to understand, everything we do, I 
we were at um, 6 a.m. prayer on Tuesday. We meet here just to pray, those that can be here early. And, and I was sharing, I got up early one Tuesday before prayer, and I was just walking through the house. I turned on music just a little bit so I could hear the worship. And this is my mode, and I'm going, and I have specific songs. I like a song. Like, I pick a song, and I repeat that song over and over and over because the song has a revelation. I don't like to listen to a bunch of songs. I like to have one song, and I'm kind of interacting with the idea behind that song. And so I was really marching through the house. This was one of those songs, and it was, you know, I was ready to go. And as I'm marching through the house, and I'm praying over my wife, and praying over my daughters, and declaring over my household, and release something over the Destiny family, I mean, my neighborhood, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just in the north, the south, the east, and I'm getting all stirred up. And then I notice dishes sitting by the sink. And I've got that spiritual gift. I don't know if you've read it in the original OCD, but it's the way it is. And so I don't like anything to be out of place. And, and, and I look over and I see the dishes and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, oh. and so, you know, I kind of pause my worship for a moment and I go over and, and I, I start to put the dishes. And you know what? I didn't pause my worship because my thought was, which one of the family left these dishes here for me. And in my heart, I was ready to cuss, but I didn't. But what I found was, as soon as I started, because I was really in a place of experiencing God's presence, as I started to get those dishes, I realized that can be an expression of worship to my Lord as I serve my family. Now, I, it was really something. I, I don't even know how to explain except I'm putting away dishes and it becomes an expression of worship to the Lord. I never even asked later, who left your dishes out? Or, you know, I just left it and went on and, 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 and let it just be an expression. I remember the Lord dealt with me about this years ago. Tracy and I had just gotten married. And how many of you do not have ice makers? Can I just see? Raise your hand. You do not have ice makers. Okay, we'll pray for you. Um, <laughs> Because I know the division that can come in a house as a result of not having an ice maker. Because my wife, when she would get ice cubes out of the trays, she would break the tray, pluck the cube, which is very bad, leaving partially empty trays in the freezer. And when I would go to get ice cubes, there would only be one left. She would always leave at least well, she would always leave one, because if there's one cube left in the tray, then technically it's not empty. And I just have to tell you, there were times that I would look at that and just say, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? <laughs> I mean, you know, that became my song, my theme song. And, and so I, I, I talked to her and I said, Tracy, we have to settle this marital issue going on in our lives. And You've got to fill the, I mean, do not crack a tray without filling the tray. She can't get it. She needs medication. I mean, you know, I'm the one who needs the medication. And so, so uh, I, I realized after this became a source of tension, I was looking at it all wrong. And I purposed every week to crack the ice trays as a ministry to strengthen our marriage and not let there be something so dumb. Because dumb stuff drives us apart. Don't you agree? And so it became my ministry. And I, was, and I became worshipful about cracking the ice. And I, and I 
didn't even tell her about it. I just took it, and it was always full of ice. And that went on for like a month or two, and I felt led of the Lord to buy a refrigerator with an ice maker. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Lifestyle of love, service, giving, sacrifice, following the example of Christ into the lives of others as a ministry to Jesus. Submission. Now I get a little more of what submission is about. It's not about power play. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ setting the ultimate example of the most powerful, most powerful human that ever came to the planet. He was God. And he absolutely laid his life down to serve us. And I love this. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. And I want you to hear the heart of God and what is being spoken. This is the New American Standard translation. It's one of the most commonly understood, accurate translations of Scripture. When, when you study the original language of Scripture in Bible colleges, this is typically the translation they go to because it's so accurate. And I want you to hear what, what this particular translation says of Romans 12, 5. We, who are many, are one body in Christ. Listen to that. And individually, members of one another. Like this whole idea of consistently submitting to the desires of God is about understanding, guys, we don't go to church together. We are the church together. Now, we're all Christians. If you've given your life to Christ, you've become a Christian, and you're part of the family of God, the universal family of God. And I, as a pastor, I hear a lot of conversation about this. I had a guy tell me, you know, I'm a part of the universal family of God, and I worship on my motorcycle. And, and uh, you know, every Sunday, I'm very faithful to go out as the universal body of Christ, drive my motorcycle out, and experience the presence of God in wonderful ways. Yes. The problem is, when I look at Scripture, Jesus didn't die to establish the universal body of Christ. He died to establish a church that actually does have structure and order. Now, structure and order can really be a problem if that becomes our focus, but the church brings instruction and the church brings correction if the church is actually being the church that Jesus established the church to be. What that means is we need accountable relationships where we're devoting ourselves together in a place where somebody can look you in the eye when you have gone off the rails of crazy train and say, I love you too much to let you keep going the way you're going. If you're on a motorcycle as a universal part of the body of Christ, you're not developing any relationships where somebody can look into the window of your soul and tell you when you're off. I don't know about you, but I need people to discern me when I'm off. And I get up and sometimes, man, I preach, whoo, hee, whoo, hee, and people, you know, shout, whoo, and, and like, it, it, some people just can't get human with me as a result. They see me up here and I'm in this mode, and then like I start to have a conversation, and they're like, oh, pastor, and, and I just need somebody to stop all that, just look me in the eye and tell me the truth, tell me relationally where you're coming from, help me see what you see in me, because it's not that we see things incorrectly, it's that we see things incompletely. And until we get other people's perspective, we will always be off. Help me now. Help me now. We need each other. We have to have each other. It's vitally important. We're member, individually members of one another. Now, now, listen to this. God's family is the family of forgiven. 
that we're not just the family of the forgiven, we're the family of forgiven, dysfunctional people. Raise your hand if you have an embarrassing family member. If you didn't raise your hand, you are the embarrassing family member. (laughs) We are the family of forgiven, dysfunctional people. Our mistakes are frequent. Our love is imperfect. Do you get it? Our mistakes are frequent. Our love is imperfect. God loves you with a perfect love. We love you with an imperfect love. Our mistakes are frequent, our love is imperfect, but we are still the bride of Christ. And very important, if you didn't pass your books down, grab those and take out your note card. I don't think I mentioned it. Even, this is the first blank I want you to fill in, even in the church's imperfection, even though the church is imperfect, all of our spiritual well-being is tied to our submission to her. We are members one of another. Like, this is pretty important that we understand. Contrary to the individualistic mindset of isolation that exists in the United States of America, you cannot simply show up to church when it's convenient and disconnect from humanity relationally as a church family and think you're actually fulfilling your God-given mandate to be a part of the body of Christ. We are not here to try to get more people to attend the church. If all we're doing, I know, I know that's odd. I know that doesn't, like, what are you saying? Listen, listen, listen. If all we're doing is attracting people to get into the room, then we're simply contributing to the greater problem of disillusionment that exists within our society that sees the church as just another religious organization. We are not here to foster consumerism. We are here to make disciples, men and women of God, who love and serve and give as their ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody help me with this today. We're calling this in as an impartation from heaven in our hearts and in our lives. We must get this truth if we're going to fulfill the assignment from God that's on our lives. You should treat others as if your spiritual well-being depended on it, like as if your spiritual well-being was tethered to your willingness to treat others well. You know why? Because your spiritual well-being is tethered to your willingness to love others. It's absolutely connected. Consistently submitting is about cultivating a greater awareness of other people's lives. Anybody ever been around people and they one-up you every time? Like, oh, we went on a trip. to some, Oh, that's good. I went on a trip further than that. Oh, man, we went and it was sunshiny. 14 hours in a day. Really, our trip had 15 hours of sunshine. You've been around those people? I've been married four times. I've been married five times, okay? Like always one up, always one up. Drives you crazy. It's like, really, life's all about you, isn't it? Like, you're awesome. I want you to think about this. The ultimate person in the history of the world that could one up everybody, his name is Jesus. Like, he could one-up, I mean, like, he knew stuff. 
He told the disciples, hey, there's going to be a donkey. It's going to be tied up over this house. Go over there. Whenever you go and see the donkey tied up at the place where I'm telling you to go, and they come out, and they're going to try and get you. Just look at them and say, the Lord needs it. Somehow that phrase is going to get them to let you take the donkey and bring it back. Like, really? Peter, I want you to go. We're going to pay taxes. Just go get a fish, and in the fish, there'll be money in the fish's mouth. Like, Jesus is awesome. I mean, you understand, and I don't care what your best story is, you don't compare to Jesus. He could one-up, he could one-million-up everybody. But Jesus, who had the capacity to one-up everybody, is not the man who's known to tell us all the answers all the time. He's known as the man who asks a lot of questions. Like, if you know, why waste time asking questions? Because people matter, and questions include. See, life's not about having all the right answers. Life's about asking all the right questions. Relationships are not about having all the right answers. Anybody here struggle in your marriage? Because like I have, 27 years of marriage. Tracy and I have a great marriage, but we've been through three marriage counselors. Is it okay for me to let you know that? Because earlier on in the years, and we're doing okay now, but like there was tension, and I was like, I read the Word. Girl, you got to listen to the Bible. I love that verse. Wives, submit to your husband. <laughs> Woo! I would feel the power of God when I quoted that verse every single time. You understand? It's not about coming up with all the right answers. It's about something like this. L listen, listen. What really matters to you in this situation? Hmm. Instead of telling her what all I know, I had to learn to inquire what was important to her. I hated shopping. I hated shopping, but it was important. So I went shopping. I was the best cart pusher. And then like I'm shopping, and I get near the men's, and I see something over there, I think, I think I'm going to go take a look at that. Now, I shop more than she does. Now, I just want you to know, relationships are not built on you knowing everything. Relationships are built on your willingness to allow somebody to have an influence in your life because God put the two of you together. Men, I just want to say, shop. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't get too crazy. You can make more friends in two months by being interested in other people than you ever will even in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Yeah. Andrew Carnegie said this, finding greatness in an individual is a lot like mining for gold. You have to move a ton of dirt to find an ounce of gold, but you never go in looking for the dirt. You always go in looking for the gold. How many of you know there are deposits of gold within every single one of us? I'm calling to those deposits. I know. I know you've made mistakes. That's exactly what everybody says. I say, listen, I believe God really wants to. Pastor, you just don't know what kind of mistakes I've made. I'm calling to the gold. We'll move a ton of dirt. Let's find an ounce of gold. Let's release people to really be who God's called them to be. And you know what? When that ounce of gold is awakened in that person's life, suddenly the purposes of God start to prevail. We start to realize, man, we are born for more than the temporal purposes this world has to offer. There's something eternal about the purposes of God. And now I have a dream. Not I have a religious plan. I have a dream. There's a revelation that's deep within every one of us that needs to be awakened that we might fulfill. 
the God-given purposes of our lives. So this is what happens. Ministry doesn't happen when we hate each other. Ministry doesn't happen when we're frustrated with each other. Ministry doesn't happen when we're rejecting each other. Ministry doesn't happen when the devil has convinced you that you and God are on the same page by hating people. You know you've created God in your own image when it turns out he hates all the same people you do. Right? And, and that's how the enemy works, to foster disunity. He hates unity. And I just want to tell you why he hates, disun- why he hates unity so much. God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a community. He's a loving, affectionate, conversational community. And you and I are created in the image of community God. You get that? And when we function in true community, we express the image of God. When you and I function in true community, we express the image of God. That's why Psalms 133, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is for us, brothers and sisters, to dwell together in the image of community God. Loving each other. Perfect love casts out all fear. Love covers a multitude of sins. When we actually are willing to look at each other's mistakes and not point them out and and broadcast them and magnify them, but actually cover them to strengthen that you might walk past that limitation in your life, then the church will rise up and be strong, and the spirit of accusation, which comes from the enemy, will be broken in the body of Christ. Come on now. Why don't you just break that with me today? Let's just hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands, according to Job 27. We just break a spirit of accusation in this place. Why don't you break that spirit of accusation over your life? Why don't you break that spirit that tries to raise up within you against other people? It's a huge myth that you can grow spiritually mature on your own. You can't. We need each other. Like, we need each other. And and this is the thing that frustrates me about the church and church teaching of our generation. It's all seemingly geared for you to get your way. Even the idea of relationships. Some people are such victims. No matter what happens in their life, they've never been trained to be mature. So they just constantly walk around and they're just victims. They don't know how to be mature and responsible about a situation, so they just implode, and they just say, nobody, you know, nobody cares, nobody knows, nobody understands, and relationships to them, and we tend to lower our, our standard of, of teaching and theology to this, relationships to them are you need to be involved with people so that when you're in need, people will be there with you. Let me just tell you, That's a true statement, but I want to try and raise your theology up to a little more of a Christ-like disposition that says you need to be around people because, folks, it is more blessed for you to give than it is for you to receive. And when you begin to understand mature giving, loving serving, in the name of Jesus Christ, your entire life will be transformed. Last verse out of the message paraphrase, Romans 12, 4. In this way, we are like various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. You don't come with big, bad purpose contributing to the body. 
We gather together and discover purpose as we pull it out of each other's lives. God does stuff congregationally. He's always doing stuff in plurality. You know why? Because He's plurality. He's community. He's trinity. And we're created in His image. Let's stand.